that would be high quality. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. <laughs> Low quality. Here we go. Oh, thank you. Welcome to Noclip. I'm Chandler Otherman. I'm JJR Timez. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Uh, Skyrim was released in 2011 on November 11th because they're cute like that. Uh, <laughs> on Xbox 360, <laughs> PS3, and PC. Uh, and it was developed by Bethesda Studios, which I'm sure most people are aware of at this point. Yes. Uh, it was a follow-up to the, like, ludicrously successful uh, Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, which I actually hated. I don't know if you guys played. I played for three hours. You have, like, a like a Bethesda timer that you just, like... <laughs> every time you put in a Bethesda game, you're like, all right, it's got an hour and a half, it better impress me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I've never played Oblivion either. Yeah. That's I, I actually know a lot of people who started with Skyrim, even though like Oblivion was so like highly praised. Alright, but to, to avoid giving out the wrong impression, how much time have you guys put into Skyrim, the actual game, the actual topic? Um, I think my Steam time is sitting somewhere at like 211, 212 hours. I have no idea. 14. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember... Like, a couple years ago, I played this game, like, all summer. Right. Ooh. So, I don't know how many hours that amounts to. I had a six-month period of time where I was, like, working at, like, a part-time job and was not in school but had paid for to have an apartment. So, like, I was basically just, like, not doing anything of sub of substance <laughs> and had lots of time to play Skyrim. Are you suggesting that Skyrim is not anything of substance? That would be a, probably a discussion that you want to have in the near future. Um, <laughs> Dude, but wait we'll for this turn. Here. Wait for when we get all the way to the end and we're like, I lied! I played 140 hours of Skyrim! Plot <laughs> <laughs> twist. Game. <laughs> well... Here's the thing, here's what I basically how I feel about like playing Skyrim. Yeah, because playing Skyrim is like a very, it's a thing that you do, like that you would say that you're doing. You know, like it's like a pre, like a present, like you say, like, oh, oh what? one of one of Wait, those. No, no, no. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, whenever, like, like if somebody, no, like yeah, like if somebody walks up to you and they're like, oh, what have you been doing? Like, you would say, like, I've been playing Skyrim, and they would just understand that that is, like, a massive undertaking. <laughs> like, harvesting crops. Right, something. it's a thing that just, like, underlays the rest of your life, where you're like, wow, you're playing Skyrim. And it's not just Skyrim. But it doesn't produce food or, like, a healthy physique. No, yeah, it's the opposite. It reduces <laughs> the amount of food you have and increases your body mass. <laughs> um... But the reason it's not just Skyrim though. It's like these this type of game that like came into existence during the like Xbox 360 era of gaming. It didn't actually come into existence then, but I'm going to use that because it's going to get really popular. Yeah. Uh, where it's a type of game that I like. I want to say that I enjoy it, considering how many hours I put into these games. But they're just these huge open world games with an endless amount of things to do, and. They just want you to completely lose your consciousness in them for a long period of time. And I play one of these games about, like, once a year. Like, 
I played Far Cry 3, and then a year later I played Skyrim, and then a year later I played Grand Theft Auto 5, and then a year later I played Far Cry 4. <laughs> and so now I'm not scheduled until, like, midway <laughs> through 2016, I can pick up another one of these, maybe? Still treating it like a profession, yeah. interestingly enough, yeah. I mean, that's just how, because like, you have to schedule your life around these things. So I <laughs> do not in any way blame JJ for only playing 14 hours of this game. Because that's what a normal person does when they play a normal video game. <laughs> Although, if we consider the, if we continue the metaphor here, I guess that means that I'm like some kind of crazy out of work person who can't hold down a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if it's a job that like bores you and you don't find interesting or engaging, then I can understand you leaving that job. So now I'm like a depressed, listless guy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Let's talk about the game, Skyrim. <laughs> okay. uh, specifically, outside of the compulsion that it generates, uh, what's good about it and what is not good about it? Like, why did you not get absorbed in it? I, I feel like... Because after is that not the right this question? period of time... Yeah. I feel like the right question is what creates the compulsion? Because I, I sit here before this podcast <laughs> in a state of ignorance. I remain after all my time. I do not know why people engage with these like they do. I didn't, I didn't find anything that made me want to just continue to be there. And I want to know because there's something. It's not artificial. I don't think that it's some kind of like strange disease that infects 80% of the population. I believe that there is something there. Yeah, the, basically the, like, the fact that the game was so successful and so like well-received is, like, that is the proof yeah. in the pudding that is Skyrim. So why did you guys stay there? What did you do? I just, man, lots of stuff. <laughs> lots of meaningless drivel, See, mostly. I feel like this is going to highlight some of like our different preferences as gamers because I feel like the things I like about the game are very different from the things that Chad likes yeah. or the way we enjoy them is very different. Yeah, I feel because like... Because I played this game until any kind of like story bits were gone and then I stopped. Right. Like I just, I found joy or enjoyment rather <laughs> in all of like the quest lines and the side quest lines and once all that stuff dried up, like, I stopped playing it. Right. And, I mean, the game... <laughs> this leads into a larger point. But, like, there's a lot of... Like, he still played... Like, you still play the game for a long time. Oh, yeah. And because there's a lot of story yeah, and lots of side prob- quests. I would guess, like, 150 hours, probably. Right. At the least. And I think that's what... That is just what a Bethesda game does. A Bethesda game takes everything that it has, everything that they could possibly put in the game, and just throws it all in, and, like, shit's broken and unfinished, and, like, it's hidden under layers and layers of systems and all of this stuff, but, like, if there's a thing that can engage you, it's somewhere in the game. If you like to just read bullshit lore... (laughs) For hours on end, or if you want yeah. to play a story There's about like, dragons, it's yeah. like, it's all there. Can I dodge? Is that in the game? Uh, Can I move left or right quickly? If you are a cat. 
I believe. Really? I think so. I'm not 100% on that because I didn't ever dodge. I have dodge. no idea. It was hidden in the cat mode. Yeah. <laughs> cat mode engaged. In the secret cat mode in, uh, uh, in Skyrim. All right, but what, ke- what about the game kept you engaged for so long, Chad? Oh, this is going to play into why there's currently a Splatoon gear PDF <laughs> checklist <laughs> on my desktop right now and why I've put 800 hours into Monster Hunter for you. The problem is that games that, like, have, like, bars that constantly fill up and, like, things on a checklist and just stuff to do are the kind of games that compelled me to continue playing, especially if there aren't, like huge barriers put in my way. How many Ubisoft games have you played in the last three years? Well, That's like a good it, metric for judging that. Yeah, that's true. Ubisoft <laughs> games are basically like the... Th- well, it's really just been like Far Cry's 2, 3, and 4 that absorbed me. No I, creeds of any sort? I, I only played the first Assassin's Creed, which I've heard is like significantly worse than the second one, so I'm thinking about playing that one. But as you'll learn, I'm kind of scared about maybe doing that. Uh, this is why I've been putting off playing Metal Gear 5 for so long. Oh, yeah, Metal, if Metal Gear 5 will destroy you. Yeah. Based on these. So what I did throughout Skyrim is I walked from point A to point B and literally just hit everything that popped up on my radar along the way. Just like... Hit a cave, went into the cave, explored the cave, looted the cave, went to the next cave, did the same thing, went to a bandit camp, went to a thing, killed a dragon, slayed a giant, and just, like, went through the game in the most, like, meandering, <laughs> and ludicrous, crazy person kind of way. I think that's the way the developers want you to play it, and I think that's the way the majority of people who love the game play it. And I play it very differently. Yeah. Like, the the draw for me is that I'm just, like, a huge high fantasy nut. Right. So I just like to be in the world, and I like to experience the story. Mm-hmm. And, like, mo- mo- yeah, like, Chad's played the game, a, like, a comparable amount of time that I did, and he has so much more stuff. <laughs> and he's been to, like, everywhere on the map, like, way more. He's done way more of it than me in about the same amount of time. Yeah. You showed me that full map. That was impressive. Yeah. Because, like, if I came across the cave, I was just like, eh. <laughs> well, okay. When, I'm on, when, when you're doing, like, a quest or a mission or some whatever you want to call it in Skyrim, uh, and you go, and you're, like, actively completing that thing, right. I generally don't, like, just divert. But that's actually one of the coolest things that I found about, like, that I like about the way that they structured this game, um, is that, like, at, like, Hitting these caves and these things act as checkpoints on your journey. So, like, if you walk and then you die, you'll respawn at the nearest thing that you found. Right, and you can warp to them. Fast travel. Yeah, and you can fast travel to anything that you uh, have discovered. So, that basically was my, like, double-edged sword of massive compulsion. (laughs) Is that, like, from point A to point B, I wanted to discover everything while I was going there. And then also, they put the fucking little cleared diamond next to it when you finish like when you loot a cave fully and so I just like like oh I haven't been here like fast travel to there walk in do a dungeon come back out like feeling like a richer man for it even though like I just gained a little bit of experience and killed some spiders <laughs> so the, your explicit source of the compulsion the thing that made you want to go to every little new little map pop-up that appeared 
wasn't what was within the pop-up. It was making the pop-up turn white. <laughs> I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds like I have a problem. <laughs> no, uh, obviously I wouldn't continue doing it if I didn't find what I did, was doing enjoyable. Like, I... in. I've mentioned the Far Cry games. Yeah. I've completed literally, like, the minimum number of the, like, time trial challenges in those games because I don't find them enjoyable. But I do find this game's main systems to be enjoyable, and there are, oh shit, fucking loads of them. (laughs) Essentially, this game is enjoyable to Chad and, like, appeals to his, like, completionist side. Which is why I don't like long games anymore. (laughs) I feel like I should explain, within the context of what you guys just said, I want to give you guys a a story that I think summarizes my general experience with this game. I'm into it. Alright. I feel like this is going to be hilarious. (laughs) So, (laughs) thanks. So, I did some bullshit. I do not remember. I was in what, a town. Bullshit happened. What kind of character are you playing? Just uh, out of curiosity. I'm ca- I'm playing a a Breton person. Yeah, okay. uh, he's who, playing the basic dude class. He's <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> yeah. he can do magic things with a hand and sword things with the different hand. Mm-hmm. So, what class did you pick? I I don't remember. Cool. <laughs> All right. All right. There's okay. no, wait, there's no class selection. At the beginning, you go to those stones, and you had to pick, like, thief, warrior, Oh, but that's, like... Oh, that just makes you... That's what I'm On that scale, my main character is a horse class. (laughs) Because I just have the the steed stone. Uh, Active from the moment I found it till 100 hours I meant which of those three did he pick at the beginning. That's what I meant. There's a story here, I swear to God. I just wanted wanted to know. I'm a Breton (laughs) magic swatty stone guy. Okay. Uh... And that's what I did. So I don't remember where this was, but I was in like a fieldy place and I had done some bullshit. And then I saw a house on the map that was sort of like isolated by itself in the middle of nowhere. This sounds like an actual description of like any moment to moment (laughs) gameplay in Skyrim. Yep. So I was like, oh man, this. Because like you guys, the things that I actually liked most, I guess not necessarily like you, Andy, the things that I enjoyed most about Skyrim were the moments where there was no quest related to what I was doing at all, and I would just like walk into an area and find a thing and like and be surprised by how deep it went. Often, it would kind of be like a trick, because later I would find out that there was a quest that like explained why I should have been there or something. Right. But I, I enjoyed feeling like it was all just there, and it was all infinite, and didn't necessarily have like a prescribed rhyme or reason. So I see this house, and I'm like, oh man, a mysterious house. Let's see how deep this goes. And I walk up to like the nice little porch that's got the little gate, and go on the inside of the house, and as soon as I walk in the door, like as a dude sitting at a table, and he stands up, and it hits me in the face with a fireball. <laughs> instantaneously. And some, a little different loading screen, someone had said, like, oh, man, if you de-sheath your weaponry, there's a chance that they'll stop attacking you. So I did that in time for the second fireball. And I thought, oh, maybe I was just too late. Maybe I can truly, like, present myself as this peaceful force to this individual. So, because the game reloads as soon as I entered the house, because that's where the save was. Right. And I put away weapons immediately upon loading that. And was killed also by two fireballs. Right. Which changed the plan then to leave the house. Good idea. Uh, it's, yes. So I left the house and thought that guy was mean. 
uh, and began to like look around his house for some clues about who this like mysterious isolated wizard was, and got hit in the back with a fireball and died. <laughs> you, he left the house. I, I'm curious. I'm sorry. Continue or finish whatever you're doing. You Please. first. There's more. I, I just, on. My question is: Did you ever figure out why he was attacking you with fireballs? No. I can explain it. Yeah, you should have reload. Or this is what I would have done anyway. You should have reloaded a save before you entered the house and entered with your weapon already sheathed. Oh no, that's not at all. That would that's not. That's not work. how it works. He's basically, and I feel like this never like came up because of the amount of time that you played the game. Mm-hmm. The, this is a reason that I really like the game is the reason that guy was attacking you was because you just walked into his house. Like, you intruded on his personal property. But I didn't, like, unlock the door. Yeah, but you just... what? Was it night? I didn't if, break if, in. If you were sitting on your couch and the door opened and a guy just walked in and was like, what's up? You might with not respond with <laughs> Yeah. I sheathed it as fast as I could have sheathed it. You still have a sword. You still, you still imagine you're there and somebody walks in with a sword. I thought it was abandoned. I didn't know there was a person living in this mysterious lonesome house. <laughs> and also there's a war going on. Yeah, so this so. is a dangerous world full of dangerous dungeons and skeletons and creatures. And, and it's just easy that, to so that. you. <laughs> Whatever. So, so, yeah. So I leave the house and... And as soon as I leave the house, I begin to try and explore, to try and figure out why this guy was aggressive and is living alone, and he comes out of the house and kills me. Uh, so at that point, I've just abandoned like all house-related inquiry. Right, yeah. yeah. And I attempt to use that like cool little like teleportation uh, shout. Like It's not technically teleporting, but you know what I mean. Like, oh, the whirlwind sprint. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm using that, and like I'm running whenever that's recharging, and he kills me at range. And this happens three times. Uh, Who's this, like... I don't know. He's a godly le- fireman. <laughs> he's a level 100 blast. <laughs> he's higher than my level 6 or 7, whatever I was. I feel like I have to put that link in the description <laughs> the at this point. Wizard the blast, blast, just so people have seen the level 100 blast. Was like, sure. So, <laughs> I eventually, through just, like, dodge and weaving, managed to not die with my little healing spell... Because I refuse to spend potions on this bullshit. <laughs> this guy I, is not deserving of your item. Yeah, I am not going to make this just like a straight loss. Right. I, yeah, it's, it's going to be lost time, not lost items. But I eventually escape him. Dragon. Dragon from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see it. My health is low because I thought I was like safe and away from him. Die again. So now I have to, like, thwart, create this whole plan. I'm like, okay, I know that the only safe spot I can go to is this hill, because it has trees I can use for cover, but there's a dragon there. So I'm formulating, I'm trying to create this plan, I'm trying to do the best that I can, and I'm getting better at, like, dodging back and forth his right. balls of death. And I get up there, and I actually engage the dragon, and it's like a normal dragon struggle. And that goes pretty much according to plan, yeah. and the dragon dies, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, accomplished the thing. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> the wizard attacks you. I want this to happen so bad. What? <laughs> no, you want. Okay, so it's, it's, you won't expect it because it's a lot dumber, which is part, which is part, it's, it's core to my experience of Skyrim this next moment, which is, all right, now let's continue to go where I was trying to go the whole time, like on the other end of the map now that I've killed the dragon. And I use the shout thing, uh, but I use it off of like a tiny hill, and I fall like 10 to 15 feet and die. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so I had this yeah. epic struggle with the dragon. <laughs> so I do everything again. I dodge, I leave, I dodge the blast wizard, I kill the dragon, I don't shout over the tiny hill. Right. Like, like less than a tree size with fall distance. Sure. And I get mauled by a saber-toothed tiger and I quit the game. <laughs> and that... That was like a, that, that demarcated like a week in which I stopped playing Skyrim to that point. Because that, the less extreme, was just everything that happened to me the whole time I played the game. Right. I'm curious as to why that, like, that seems like the kind of thing that, like, would motivate you to continue playing the game. But there's nothing because I could have done, which is like, which is. Part there's of the so reason. much you could have done. There's an infinite number of things. Yeah, you there's could a have lot done. of stuff you could. How have do you dodge? How do you? You can't like, dodge. I mean, I you literally could have just gone in a different direction. But the other direction I could have run did not have cover. If you meant just I could have left, sure. I could have opened the map and teleported back to a location that is yeah. not where I wanted to go. Are you and I could have like, then gone the long way. Have you ever just been in a game and like gone to an area and been like, maybe this is a little out of my pay grade? This yeah. happened to me five times. Well, playing Skyrim. This Which might, is why the story's important, because yeah. I encountered the Blast Wizard who just murders me. Right. And that's kind of what always happened. I just encountered the different forms of Blast Wizard that murdered yeah. me in different fashions. Right. This could be... You could have also like just reloaded a save before you entered the house. This is the second time you suggested this? I have literally never done that in a video game. Oh. Except it's really Undertale. useful in Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> Except in Undertale. Yeah, like... Sometimes, like, yeah, shit, like, bullshit like that will happen, and you just need to reload another save. Yeah, well, uh... And not go into that death yeah. trap. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think that I really did that very often here, but it's possible if I found myself in, like, a situation that just seemed un, like, palatable. Um, but, yeah, that's... I mean, I don't know. I mean, this might be an indication of a two-podcast-long discussion on why magic is overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, like, I played through the game initially as a, like, one-handed conjuration mage. Yeah. Cheech Marin, the high elf. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, like, it, basically I just never really had to fight anybody. Ever. For a long time. <laughs> because I just conjured a thing and it fought for me. And if, like, somebody slipped by... Or, like, my magic ran out while it was recharging. I just hit them with a mace for a while. <laughs> and then I would drop another thing to draw aggro. So, like, I very rarely ran into situations that couldn't be overcome by hiding in a corner. If, like, that presented me itself necessary. <sighs> Later, uh, I did, like, respec um, and become a, like, two-handed melee user, which was also fun. And I like that the game gives you the opportunity to, like, just do whatever the hell you want. But, is, I don't know. I, don't, I can't so, explain why it, you it got, really, like, completely slotted. I think the, that's the way the game... I, I think it, it's trying to, like, use situations like that to control, like, the pacing of the game. And, like, where it, like, it... Like, I think it wants to, like, put up like, walls without having them there by just having areas with enemies that are too hard for you, so you won't go to those places. I just, like, never found that an issue, though. Because I, I did when I played as well. Like, I just stumbled into an area and got, like, my ass handed <laughs> to me. And I was like, well, 
Let's go somewhere else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the overworld is like the place where that can just happen too. It's yeah. like you'll just like but run across like, a dragon and a giant and you'd be like, I should go back the other way. Just, that was that was what would happen is that I would get to an area, even if it was a, like a long lead up to what I had been doing, and then something would kill me in two hits and I would assume that I was just at the point where I... Because it's not like in Dark Souls or something where when I encounter something that seems like ludicrously stronger than me... If there is like a like a chance that if I'm just flawless, that if I'm just like the god person, I can never be hit and right. spend six hours hacking away at its tiny bits of health. I didn't know how to do that in Skyrim. You can't. Yeah, that's just not how this game functions. You can't do that in most games that aren't Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like like for example. I remember playing the game and starting at, like, Whiterun and wanting to go north. And, like, you go north, like, past, like, this Silver Hand Bandit camp. And then you go up through and there's, like, a like a labyrinth. It's, like, a snow on top of, like, a mountain, you know? I'm cool. just going to, like, default to your knowledge of any proper nouns in this game. Because, oh, yeah. like, they're a blur. Yeah, yep. it, it goes, like, through, like it's through, like, kind of, like, a valley. Like, you go up over the mountain through the labyrinth. And, like, I got, like, I started going through the field... And there's, like, a dragon that's, like, right there in the field. Right. It, like, killed the crap out of me. And there's mammoths there, too. There's, like, two mammoths and a dragon. Yeah. So I'm like, well, we're not going to go that way. So I, like, go around. Well, I tried it a couple times. I'm like, I'm going to beat the dragon. You know, like, you want to kill the dragon. Yeah, I know. And then, like, you know, it wasn't happening. I'm like, I'll do that later. So I go around, and then I can't encounter the camp. And then all the bandits charge me and kill me. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, well, Okay. I was just kind of trying to slip past, and they noticed me. I'll actually fight them this time. Right. Tried to fight the bandits. They killed me. So I uh, <laughs> avoided the dragon and the bandits, got up to like where the labyrinth is, and got attacked by a troll. And the troll killed me. Oh, yeah. The tr- yeah. A troll is like a troll is harder than a dragon and a mammoth yeah. combined. So I think, like, I encountered a few areas like JJ like that, where, like, the game just, like killed the crap out of me right. a lot. I feel like that's bad luck, though. I mean, yeah. I'll go into it in a minute. I think, yeah, yeah. Like, there's like there's certain paths that, like, with just tough yeah. enemies that you just, like, are like, well, I gotta go a different way. And I don't really under, like, other than what I proposed before, that they're kind of trying to wall you from that area. Right. I can't really understand why they designed it that way, because it just seems like they want you to just explore the world, and then they're like, I'm gonna kill you. But, uh, <laughs> so... What I did instead was, like, I went and, like, I found, like, a quest line to do so I could, like, get experience and level up and right. not encounter things that would just kill me. Exactly. So, like, they want you to, like, get to a point, side quest, level up, move on, get to right. a point, side quest, level up. That makes sense. Get to a point, side quest, level up. Right. And, like, that's not the way I, like, tried to play it initially. That's just and how it, like... ended up like JJ. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was very sort of, like, butterfly-ish in my engagement with Skyrim. I would, I kept, like, getting to these cool things. I, I would pursue, like, individual quest lines that have, like, long-term goals. Like, I want to get all the way to that place that I can kind of see on the map. But sure. I, I would get distracted a lot. And oftentimes, I think the reason that I kept doing this, because that's not how I normally play games, 
is that that was the times that I was actually having fun in Skyrim when I would just like find the cave and delve into the cave and right. find a magic item. I was there when you like just happened upon like a cave that had yeah. like uh, like was, you killed a guy at the beginning by like sneaking up on him and like bashing his fucking brains out. And you egged me into it and it was yeah. fun and because that's the parts of Skyrim that I truly enjoyed was like that sort of free roaming exploration where it seems like anything's possibly available to you even if I didn't like the mechanics that I was going through when I get to that point I am you know still a child and still like the shiny thing <laughs> right. when I get to the end and I liked, also like the ability to, to create shiny things but that's probably going to feel a little bit See, yeah. and the way that like I noticed this when I was playing through it a couple weeks ago to, like to refresh my memory of the game, you start out in the town. I can't remember the name Hell of the good. town. Sure, and then Maybe I remember that one. Yeah, it was with you. And you like never have to go back there, so I yeah, never the, remember. The there are a bunch of bandits there if you go back. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> uh, so you go and you go along. You go to like I think it's Riverwood or whatever mm-hmm. the that town, one. and then you stop there and like the guy's like, "Here's my family," and blah blah blah. And then you go, and then I go to White Run. <laughs> Briefly, JJ stopped there, and they were like, "You can use this, uh, ha- like this bed and this house and stuff, and you can stay here if you want." Yeah. And then JJ just t- like he was like, "Okay, home base," and then filled an end table next to a bed with like probably like a, a like a square miles worth of material, <laughs> and just like just jammed it into this one drawer. <laughs> All my crafting materials. I was like, okay. You said, they said explicitly, like, I, I could just stay here. And it was so funny to me that he just put it all on an end table. But are you aware of the end of that story? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm not. Because the end of that story is they just decided some of it was theirs. They just like picked some of the things and put in the end table, and they were like, we own that now. <laughs> and like a little red steely text came up. Huh. I know this, and there's not... I, I didn't, didn't know people mistake. could steal from you. No, no, no. That's not what's happening. Well, I mean, it's kind of what's happening. Yeah, it's kind but of it's ambiguous like what's play, happening. Yeah. Okay. It's I like if somebody stole something th- by saying, like, that thing that you have, that is mine now. Yeah. <laughs> but didn't do anything about it and just left it where it was. Yeah, this is like an argument. They're like, if I give you okay. my lawnmower for, like, six months, like, right. at, that, at some point it yeah. becomes ambiguous. It was like the equivalent of the kid in school, like, licking his finger and sticking it in your mashed potatoes. Yeah. It's like, oh, you still want to eat that? <laughs> but they just did that with, like, a magic sword. And huh. that, yeah, and other valuable things. Okay. Yeah. Well, and they yeah. did only did it to the valuable things, which kind of makes sense. Right. The dicks that they are stealing my shit from but, their end table. But anyway. Yeah, so you leave the house. So AJ has really bad luck with Skyrim. Okay, so you leave the house, uh, and then you, you're there, like, go to Whiterun and see the Yarrow or whatever. Yeah. So you go there, and then on the way, like, there's, like, kind of this scripted sequence where there's, like, the companions like kill a giant that's like attacking this farm really yeah cool you like walk right past it and then like that's supposed to lead you to the companions quest line so you're supposed to like get to white run see the arl go to the companions do the companion quest line level up get items and experience right. move on and like you're good to go and that does sound like exactly how my first play yeah that's the way out. they i didn't do that at all because right. like because the way i play games like Exact opposite experience, or like of what you said you liked about the game. I generally don't like open world games like this because I don't like just exploring like a world with no context. Right. Like that's like just happening upon a cave, going through it and like getting an item like is not very satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. At least in this game. 
because uh, I don't really like the combat that much, but we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about we that We will later. definitely talk about yeah. it. Uh, so, like, I was just going from, like, I just wanted to follow the main quest line in, like, the major side quest lines. is like the meat and potatoes for me. Right. So, like, I was just like, I'll do the companions thing later. So, like, I would, like, go out from White Rod and then just get murdered. <laughs> I actually generally agree with your approach to this. I am also very much a, like, want context, don't want, you know, meaningless conflicts, don't want random encounters kind right. of guy that aren't spurred by anything. But this game had, like, just the hint of context there. It was, it was just enough for me to be okay with it, and it was certainly, it was sort of like the thing that I don't like happening in this case to be the best part of just a pile of things that I did not like. Right. It was it was comparatively the high point for me. So it was, the, I think it was the reason that it was the thing that I latched on to because I could fill what was happening with sort of like my own headspace. I could make up what was going on, which is I know in like you know D and D fashions what, how a lot of people approach Skyrim, and I could try to ignore, like, every book. Like, all of them. Except for, of course, words and philosophy, which I picked up early <laughs> and kept with me the whole game and will never drop or leave. I think that this is just, like, um, it, it's it's a symptom of, of Skyrim and Bethesda Studios as a whole, really, trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Yeah, it's that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, because what happens is when you play like me or like how JJ was playing at least briefly you'll always stumble across these things that seem like this fantastic like oh my god like I'm, I'm playing a game and I just like took a hard left turn from where I was supposed to go mm -hmm. and I went through like a little dungeon that had like a mini boss or like just some kind of like named enemy and like a unique item at the end this is like Astonishing! Like this is this is how you reward exploration, right? Yeah. But in a game, in my experience, but you though, keep this. Is the thing though is, you keep running into these things, and then later finding out that they had some radio quest attached to some side mission, yeah. that like would have pointed you there eventually, right? It, but in my experience, I never like came across a cave that had a mini boss <laughs> and like an exceptional item at the end. Like anytime I would go through a cave that I found. It would just be, like, some bandits, <laughs> and then, like, you get to the end, and there's, like, 34 gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I encountered that 34 times, too. You had, like, a Wind Waker experience. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. That seems like a huge waste of time. Perfect. Why did I not think of that? It is exactly the Wind yeah. Waker and there's and there's a, there's a bunch of that. Like, I think that happened to me, like... May, I guess this must have been bad luck. Mm. Like, four or five times, and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is, like, the exact... Like, you responded to that in, like, the opposite way that I would have responded to that, which was, like, uh, Skyrim is so much better at doing this than Wind Waker was. Because Wind Waker, you knew what you were going to get was right. either going to be a heart piece or, like, some trivial right. amount of rupees. You're right. It's a bit unfair. Skyrim is better at it, but I had the Wind Waker experience within Skyrim, so I assumed that that's what it was going to always be like. Yeah, well, the way that I played it, I mean, like, I felt like everything that I picked up in... I, I'll give you that, like, my first, like, 40 hours with the game are largely, like, a distant memory at this point. Ah. Uh, but, like, the later portions of this game was, like, 
I never had the experience of like going into a cave and then leaving feeling like I accomplished nothing. Because by the end of the game, I was into the enchanting. I was into like smithing and all the like, alchemy, like every possible like subtree of stuff that I could do. Yeah, I was doing. And so you'd come out of the cave with like more ingredients, more ore, more all of this shit. I guess that makes sense. And so like I guess that never like it didn't occur to me that like what I was getting wasn't that great because like in my mind it was just another step toward another great thing. Yeah, that it, was, I could do. it was literal pieces of a great you, thing. Right. You had like the experience I think that the developers wanted, wanted me. To player have. to have because like i could care less about smithing alchemy <laughs> or uh enchanting, what was it? enchanting. Yeah. here's the thing so i was just like i got all this useless crap i'm just gonna sell the blacks the hilarious thing was i did that for hours and hours and i think that's a totally viable way to play the game yeah like i'm like i just want to like be a knight with a sword and i'm gonna kill stuff and i want to go to the blacksmith and buy weapons from him from the blacksmith i don't want to be the blacksmith yeah I stop wanna... making me do your job. You're the capitalist in this yeah. society. Like, division of labor, this is clearly where you Yeah, yeah like, that's his job. You do this, I'm out killing the dragons. Yeah, I bring you cool ore and you make me some Skyforged steel right. and I use it to kill things. Yeah. Well, I don't want to make my own stuff to kill things. Uh, in, in a twist that surprises literally no one, the reason that I ever got into doing any of that stuff in the first place is because I found out that when you uh, upgrade things, it changes like a prefix on the name, <laughs> and when you enchant things, you can just rename the thing. So all of like my equipment in Skyrim is like the exquisite scrot stabber, <laughs> and like the bo- <laughs> like the boots of like I remember the the boots of imminent castration were one that I wore for a very long time. Nice. Like just like the ability to, to rename things like drew me into it, and then like I discovered that you could basically just like become God Himself, like with enough like nonsense because the alchemy comes from the combination of those two things because you can make alchemy potions that increase your skills for a brief period of time in smithing, and so you drink, you make an alchemy potion, you drink it to increase your smithing ability, then in the next two minutes, if you create, like, a new thing or upgrade a thing, that it gets, like, way higher stats than it would have otherwise, and you just loop that with, like, drinking alchemy potions to make your alchemy better, <laughs> and then making a better alchemy potion, which you then down to make a better smithing potion. You're like... A drug-filled merchant li- leading a double life. That's yeah. what you are. This is at, like, hour, like, 170 at this point, so it didn't even matter. But yeah. at this point, you guys watched me, like, giants, which basically take you, like, an hour and a half to kill at a normal r- pace. Like, right. I killed in, like, three hits. It's <laughs> like, all of my stuff is just too good for the game. Yeah. Uh, I get, like, weirdly into only half of that loop. And not half of the loop is in, like, I was just a blacksmith. Because right, right, I didn't right. do the double life thing that you did by hour billion. I, what, I, what happened to me was that I would go through, like, I would follow an NPC on a quest or something and be like, oh, man, there's some nice flowers. And I would just pick every flower that I see. <laughs> And then be That's annoyed classic, that I had so RPG. many flowers, yeah. and not had to do anything with them. Dude, I would like sell or drop them. Yeah, yeah, like the point. I would like, get annoyed. Yeah, I would constantly get up to like my uh, carry weight, right. and then like just have to like angrily sell everything. That's why the steed stone is my preferred character class. What's the steed stone? <laughs> the steed stone is just like a one of the what are they called? Stones. 
I can't remember. Yeah, they're like stones in the in the world that you can like interact with, and you are under the sign of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of those is the steed stone, which just like increases your stamina and your carry weight. Oh fuck! So I just like steed stone, and then just never change. Oh, I like I was mage stone for there. like a while, but then like as soon as I was like, oh, I can just carry more stuff. That one. Because, <laughs> like, some of the, like, most valuable items in the game, especially when you're starting out, are, like, dragon bones and dragon scales. Yeah. And the optimal thing that you want to do is, as soon as you get them, go fucking sell them. Right. But, like, m- merchants have limited gold, which is a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, but, and, like, you would have to travel to all these different places, and, fuck, you might just be doing something else. Right. And so, like, they're just weighing you down, literally. <laughs> Do those have, like, crafting material relevance? Eventually. Whenever okay. you get to a really high smithing, you can create dragon bone armor. Because there was, you you dissuaded me of this notion quickly, but I, at the time I was, like, trying to save them, which right. is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Well... I mean, Once you it makes house, you... Right? Yeah. You can just put them in your house. Which I did not. Right. I was very homeless and very sad. <laughs> did you never get a house in the game? No, I never even found out how I could get a house you in the game. You go... I know at least in Whiterun, which is where I always get my house, right. is... Well, you I own go... all the houses and built all the houses. In her... of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you destroyed yeah. Whiterun and rebuilt them all? <laughs> in uh In the Hearthfire expansion, you can like just literally construct three houses oh, out in the woods. Neat. And so I did that. But, um, <laughs> you go to, like, the Yarrow, like, Dragon Reach, where yeah. the Yarrow is, and you talk to him, and he'll tell you, like, if you want a house, go talk to what's-his-face, the house guy. Right. And then you, like, just, like, kind of walk around, and then you'll find him, and he'll be like, he wants property, it costs as much, and then you pay him, and yep. you get a house. It's oh. the same process in, uh, like, I think four major cities. Uh, I think you can get houses in Solitude Rift and uh, Falkreath and uh, Wire Run. Okay. And it's literally just the same. You become Thane, then you can buy property. Alright. Okay. Yeah. I remember being mentioned when I, when that happened to me, but I didn't I didn't know where to go from there right. as far as houses went. But yeah, I mean, they cost a bunch of gold. Yeah. It does cost a bunch this is, this of is, gold. Yeah. This is all... Sidetracking the strategy cast, yeah. yeah. Really, what it is, is this is just as I expected it to be the Skyrim story time cast, yeah, yeah, yeah. because this is a game that just breeds that sort of a thing. I mean, luckily, the stories are relevant because they're really illuminating about our, our experiences of how we engage with the game and the kind of things we liked and we didn't. Right, example, I don't think I remember it coming up in my mind earlier, probably not out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> my like actual high point of playing the game, mm-hmm. uh, it was. Right, right after uh, you get to like the, the first new town, uh, and I got some kind of quest from a woman to re- retrieve a claw thing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's they... just the main quest line. Well, well, there's a correction there. Uh, is you you can do that and like go through it as if it was the, the main quest, but to complete the quest, you don't actually have to complete the whole dungeon. You just can get in there, kill the guy, and at that point, the quest just says go back. And uh, yeah, return but, it, right. but I didn't. And from that point on was my favorite moment in the entirety of the game without context. So like the claw that I had ended up becoming relevant to like solving a puzzle. And you get down there and you know, mini boss as Chad described, yep. and then I got my first word of power before I knew what those were or right. any context yep. for them, and that was 
awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Found a cool stone that was super heavy. I didn't know what it meant anything. <laughs> and then continued following the quest line, and uh, someone was like, oh, you got to go into this cave and find this sacred stone that I heard that exists. Right. <laughs> it was literally like, a dialogue. Here you are. Like, here you go. <laughs> right in the dialogue box. And I was like, no. No, you recontextualize all of this in a horrible way. Why did you do that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Welcome yeah. to Skyrim. Yeah, the yeah. high points for me are like certain quest lines. Yeah. And like. Dwemer Ruins for me. I love the Dwemer Ruins. Nah, see, I. Which one? I. I that there's means a, nothing to me. You're continuing <laughs> like, to say all the nouns sit on the These podcast. ones are really there's, common, like, a proper now that you'll run across yeah. into. Yeah. The Dwemers did the, like, the. Basically, the areas with, like, the mechanical, like, steampunk spiders. Right, yeah. Are like the awesome. automatons. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, this is. Yeah, it gets deep. <laughs> and to. Uh, both, like, as, like, a. Hey, there is more of what you like, and also rubbing salt just straight into the <laughs> wounds. Um, there are lots of other quests that you that are totally optional that don't have things associated with them, with the exception of like weird environmental things that you can find out um, that involve you like taking an item through a dungeon, and unfortunately, they're all those dragon claws. So that just becomes, Aww. like, a mechanic. Like, it's cool that you don't have to do them and you just, like, can collect this, like, basically a bunch of keys yeah. that you can use or sell for lots of cash. Um, <laughs> but cash. The, it is sort of lame that a lot of them just come down to, like, read the inscription on the back, do the door combination lock puzzle, yeah. go through, fight a guy. Yeah. But, I mean, it is still neat. There are other ones, yeah. like, there's a puzzle in... One of the earlier dungeons that's like a story related puzzle that or story related dungeon that involves like going through like a series of gates in like the proper order and like going through that I was like I barely remember this because there's like there are authored like puzzles in dungeons and like things to do and it's like this is like I just forgot about that whole portion of the game mm-hmm. when I got into like the dungeon crawling right because a lot of those are just like basically straight shots yeah. to the end and then uh, a, a thing back complete but. throwaway note super happy that this is a game in which the torch is useful I like oh, yeah. games in which torches are useful people people like to shit on torches but torches are kind of a big deal generally yeah in real life I don't think I ever <laughs> once used a torch in Skyrim. It's it's a wonderful experience. It's pre- I mean it's I can't cool. even remember like thinking oh, I wish I had a light source. Do you like I mean do you like light? Do you like yeah, need I like light? light? Oh. I don't remember anything being so dark that I had to, I felt like I needed a torch. <laughs> like ever, <laughs> not even once. <laughs> Yeah, good vision. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I as you guys saw, I modded the game to make it more necessary. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I had it remove all of the, like, ambient light at night. So, like, I have to have a torch on me at all times just to navigate if I'm outside at nighttime. But, like, I don't know. Like, going through some dungeons, I like... And not only that, but like gives you that like kind of Indiana Jones feel. Yeah, it's a dungeoneering. You're like running yeah. through the dungeon with a torch up and a sword in the other hand, and you're just like, "You're ready." I guess it's just something that never even crossed my mind because I never felt like it was never there was never a need for it. In for no, me. in no way is this cast material, but <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm not gonna edit this out. Just say it. Crap. Uh, is it? I could never figure out whether or not having your weapons drawn or having things that made light in your hands affected your sneaking. Does it? Oh, yeah. Having 
there are a few things that affect sneaking. And I, I think I having a, a torch spell, is one of them. Would it? No. Okay. Having a spell in your hand, I don't think, is a, a thing. Because, like, one of the spells that I used was a, like, sneaking spell that made you harder to hear. And if, like, the whole time the spell's out, there's, like, this big blue, like, crystal, like, apparition in your hand, and it's going, like, it's making, like, a twinkling noise. It's like, it seems counterintuitive. Yeah. Classic 3D sneaking ambiguity is about, like, yeah. the mean water. And God right. forbid you put it in fucking third person, like Annie did the whole game. So weird. Because, like, it just seems, like even more ludicrous to, like, be sneaking around when you're just, like, watching your guy, like, just bumble into walls and shit. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you have better spatial awareness yeah. in third person. You have way better spatial awareness <laughs> in third person. This just always played like a first person game to me. I play first person when I'm in a dungeon or in a house, but when I'm not, I'm in third person. Yeah. It is, I mean, the game looks, I mean, I don't know, the game's five years old now. But the game can be made to look. Really look, cool. yeah, look. I think the game looks amazing. But I also installed the "Make This Game Look Amazing" mod, so like, <laughs> I, can't, it, I can't really. I'd have to say it looks a bit dated now. Yeah, that's kind of what. That was my first impression too, which is why I wanted the water to change so badly, and it did, and it was gorgeous. <laughs> which yeah, it's just weird that like this game doesn't even seem that old, and like it, this game looked like beautiful at the time yeah yeah it's because it's and like now it looks dated and you're like oh <laughs> <laughs> weird technology it it is a, a it's almost like a platform it like it's like the all the stereotypes uh that you would associate with like games as service really aren't there but a lot of the benefits are it's just like a game that never dies because it consumes all of your time forever <laughs> Is infinitely modifiable, <laughs> right. uh, and like exists in like the zeitgeist of video games. Yeah, this is a game that was a phenomenon when it came out, and like has just become like one of gaming's proper nouns. Yeah, like a Skyrim game is like a thing that yep. can exist. You can't now. even say the word open world without people say mentioning Skyrim. Yeah, it's like Skyrim, Grand Theft Auto, or like the two. Shining examples in popular culture yep. of what like an open world to game like is. an annoying extent. Yeah, because <laughs> like I remember like when it like first came out about the new Zelda game, like they commented that it's going to be more open world. People were like, "Oh, I don't want my Zelda game to be like Skyrim." Yeah. <laughs> like as if Sky like saying a game is open world means it's going to be like, like Skyrim. Skyrim. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that I feel like if you say that your game is open world, your game is going to be like Skyrim. But the reason is because Skyrim is like every game. The way that Skyrim works is that, like, if you were to draw, like, the use case diagram for Skyrim, your character is, like, the actor in the center, and you can literally just act on everything. Like, every other object in the game is the thing that can affect you in some way. And, like, that is, like, Skyrim's Probably, like, biggest strength and also, like, its hugest, most ludicrous failing. Because there's so much content that you can choose to experience or choose not to, and a lot of it you just miss, and a lot of it is stupid, and a lot of it's really good. And they just didn't have any other way to express the way that the game can be played other than being like, here are your two hands and the triggers, do what you can. <laughs> And it's like, that's so hard to 
it's, there's just so much. You can act on everything in so many ways that it's there's no direction. Even if a lot of it just makes you heavier. <laughs> Even if a lot of it just has weight. Yeah. Like wood. Yeah. You can interact with things like that are literally useless. Can you light homes on fire? Unfortunately, no. Damn. Yeah, that is like the one thing that I wish Skyrim did have just to like push it past like just a little bit broken and glitchy to like unplayably <laughs> broken where if it just had like red faction style destructible environments oh, <laughs> where like, you could just tunnel your way through a mountain with yeah, fireballs. Yes. That's exactly what, that's what I was thinking was like I want to have the wood carver's axe and just like get to work on white run yeah. and just make that my job is that I just put holes in buildings and nothing will stop me. Maybe that's sort of like a game designer's literal nightmare, yeah. is the ability to burrow through objects. Hilarious. Yeah, I mean, Red Faction did it as, like, its main selling point, and I thought it was fun. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they, I love that they did that literally in Fallout 4, where you can just, like, tear down a building and use its materials to rebuild it. <laughs> it's like It's like they really tried, but they did it so badly that nobody gave a shit yeah. at all. <laughs> You can tell that Bethesda wants to model as many things as they can, even if they have to do so shittily. So one day I'm sure we'll get our every item is an inventory item Bethesda game in 30 years. Oh, it'll yeah. Be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. If, if nothing when, else for the glitches. When Elder Scrolls Six <laughs> finally comes out. <laughs> uh, yeah, this game is just the amount of things you can do and the amount of things that will go wrong. Is staggered. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. I have to say, I would agree that is, it's like its biggest failing for me. Yeah, is that like there's just so like I've played it for about like I said the same amount of time as you and probably didn't experience like half as much as you did <laughs> because like we just played it in two different ways mm. and I I'm not sure that I like that. I guess I can't fault the game for it, right. but like I don't know. I feel like. It could have been like designed a bit better in that respect. Like there has to be something, a conscious decision that was made that leads it to be that way. I feel like it's just yeah. It, I think it is a conscious decision. I think they just like have developed a style where it's like Bethesda games assign a physics yeah. value to every object <laughs> and just put them down. And like when it works, it works. Sometimes you walk up vertically up a wall for no reason. Yeah. Sometimes when you walk into buildings, items all load at the same time and hurl objects around the room at a rapid pace. Sometimes you accidentally get killed by a bucket that a guy kicked. Yeah. Like, these are all things that have legitimately happened to me in this game. There's so much, like, interaction and madness between the systems. And I think it's interesting in contrast to a lot of the other things that we've talked about on this podcast, how hard it is to read, like, authorial intent into oh, any yeah. Bethesda game. Like, I have no idea, often, what they're really trying to go for, because the settings, with the exception of Fallout, which definitely tries to put itself out, out there as, like, its own unique setting, like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to take from Skyrim. Yeah. Right. And I think that comes from a product of, like, what Chad was talking about earlier, is that they literally throw everything in and the kitchen sink. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, I think they probably don't cut anything. They're just like, put it all in. Yeah. And then it's like, it's, it's insane. And like, like you're saying, like, it's so hard to tell what the intent is because like, even the main storyline 
you can choose either side. And, like, it doesn't make you feel like one ending seems like the correct ending. It's just two... It doesn't even really lead to an ending. And yeah, it's, like, two morally ambiguous choices on the sides of the war. And then, like... You end it, and then you just keep doing yep, what you were doing before. And nothing changed. <laughs> yes! <laughs> like, it's, it's such, like, a... It's just so much nonsense. It's, I think it's just they want you to enjoy the moment-to-moment stuff, and it's, like, it's not about, like, the outcome of what you do. Right. The story, the side quests, the radio quests are all there just to point you at more stuff to interact with. And, like, I found that enjoyable. And... But I don't know what the hell they're trying to do. Like, <sighs> it's like, basically, I think it's like here's the game where you can do like millions of things, have fun doing as many of them as you can. It's right. a ball pit with like names yes. and nouns written on all the all balls. the balls. That's yeah. a good way to put it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. a ball pit of nouns. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's apparently an amazing way to describe Skyrim. <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, no, here's here's a well known anecdote that I think will sum up what makes no sense about Skyrim. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A lot of people are aware of this, but if you walk into like a shopkeeper's shop and just pick a bucket up and hold the bucket in front of you and manipulate it so that it is upside down, and then you put the bucket over the guy's head. You can just walk around the store and take everything and then leave, and he will not know. So, when designing Skyrim, they allowed you. Yeah, this is a this is a true thing. When designing Skyrim, they decided that NPCs are going to have visibility. You are going to be able to pick up a bucket, and when you are not seen committing a crime, you will not be punished for it. And that is literally all the thought they put into it. They're like, <laughs> these are our systems. We have objects, our NPCs can see things, and like we have like a crime and punishment system that seems logical in the abstract. But in reality, it makes no sense, because you picked a bucket up and put it on a guy's head, he did nothing, and all of his stuff was gone, and he just didn't, like, put two and two together. It's like the uncanny valley of simulations. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's getting, like, 90% of the way there, and then the things that don't work are just glaring and shocking. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's just so illogical in a lot of its systems. That the game just wants you to have a good time walking around hitting the guy with a sword. (laughs) But it has so many ways that just, like, incite you to break its own rules. I don't know, I like it. It's a good game. Weird. (laughs) Let's take a break. You asked, uh, because you were reading the tablets, or you didn't ask, but you were like, I don't, like, I am not sure if, like, gods are real in this world. Yeah. Like, or if it's just, like, religion, where, like, there's no express proof. Yeah. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, they're, they are, sort of, and the, the danger... Yeah, like the yeah, the gods like have some physical effect on things. You can actively receive blessings that do things. Yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. can meet several. Of them. Well, you meet the Daedric princes, which are I guess not technically gods in the lore. I didn't get too into it, but I I guess I know that much. Right. Uh, but the Daedric princes who you do meet are like 
basically like they range from like super evil to not as evil, uh, but still kind of evil. To like uh, Fire Emblem Conquest, in other words. Yeah. Well, they're not like mustache twirly, <laughs> like snidely whiplash evil. Like they're okay in D and D terms, they're like chaotic evil. Okay. Where like some of them are just doing it because they think it's funny. All right. So that like belief structure is what the common link is between Elder Scrolls game. Oblivion, yeah. right, is like basically like the Elder Scrolls hell, if you couldn't put that together, like it just did a few sentences. I've seen the fire gates from years past when the Oblivion The Oblivion gates. gates. Whatever. <laughs> and there were gates that were on fire and I played the game for like an hour. Okay. Right. And so like the like the Day of Princess obviously had something to do with that and then they come into this one. And this one they give you like cool weapons and shit. Oh so, nice. Um, I'll tell you, I know there is at least two quests that I did just in my replay, which was only like forty hours. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like twenty five hours into a two handed character. Like it was fun while. But I, I, I met Nocturne, which is like the thief goddess. Right. And also there was another one, I think her name's Meridia, who like you get you like you it's like a cool side quest where you go through like a temple up to the top and it like goes up a, a mountain. And, like, you get to the top and you, like, place an artifact, like, on her altar. Yeah. And then she just lifts you into the sky. Oh, yeah, that one's fucking cool. Yeah, and then she gives you, like, a sweet sword. That also sounds sweet. Yeah, Yeah. it was really cool. So I had to put an edit here, but I heard that Andy had to do a stealth mission. So I had to do, like, a stealth mission. So I was like, wait here while I do the stealthy thing. That's such a feature I don't like about this game. It'd be be so easy for you. No, no, the sneaking system as it interacts with partners. Because that's such an easy fix comparatively. Just make it so that when you are crouched, they are also crouched and will not engage enemies. Right. Like instead of like you crouch and try and sneak up, and then you just see like an arrow fly overhead. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, good. Thanks. I yeah. I even like did the Thieves Guild and, like, played as a thief for a while, and mm-hmm. I still suck at the sneak. Like, I don't get how it works. Yeah, it's really complicated because, like, they wanted to attribute, like, a bunch of... Because it's Skyrim, they wanted to jam as many systems into it as they possibly could. So, like, it, it the visibility, like, light around your area, what kind of armor you're wearing, like, your walking speed, all of this shit affects your stealth... But in reality, all it is is you just have to level up the stealth tree to the point where it just is too good, and then it doesn't <laughs> matter anymore because you're just invisible when you're on your knees. Dude, that is a great lead-off to one of my like least favorite mechanical elements of the game. It feels like all of the challenges that exist in the game are statistical challenges. Right. Like, it, it, there is... I. I think like I hinted at this earlier. I don't know how I play better at Skyrim. I just know that I need good numbers. In the same way that, like, a saber-toothed tiger can wreck my shit, but a dragon is reasonable. Right. It, it feels like that that problem just gets so generalized to so much of the game that it becomes difficult even for, like, difficulty to be signaled to you at all. Yeah. Because I don't know if this giant rat... Is like you know the giant rat, or if it's you've, just a giant rat? Yeah, you've yeah. hit the nail on the head. Yeah, like that's just how it goes. Like, you yeah. just need higher stats. <laughs> the way that yes, yeah. the way to get around that is just play a ranged character. That's the only way that you can really bring skill 
into like yeah. your moment to moment encounters and stuff. Yeah, it'd be, like, I remember running across those like first couple saber tooth tigers, and like the and I actually managed to kill them. But the way I did it was I would like hit them a couple times. They'd almost kill me, and then I would just <laughs> run for a while, and then like heal while running until I got like back up enough. That I could hit them a couple, a couple times, times. Yeah. rinse and repeat, oh. Oh. and like that's how I managed to kill them. Barf! Yeah, yeah. it sucks. Did you, uh, when I started um, my second character for the podcast, I uh, went with uh, like a uh, an orc that was a two handed user, and it's like I suddenly had to exist in a world with no heal spells. Yeah. Like, I had healing, I could use it, but it required me to put my weapon away <laughs> to pull out the heal. Right. So, like, it was just not effective, and or I had you to actually just use like, potions. Yeah, stack healing potions. That was... That made the combat a, feel a lot worse. Yeah. Because, like, when you're able to just, like, heal and keep fighting, mm-hmm. it doesn't break the flow. But when yep. you have to, like, stop and heal, it's it feels like you're just, like tanking everything all the time. You telling me that the favorites menu existed legitimately saved the game. I would have stopped (laughs) playing at the three hour mark that I always stop playing Bethesda games at if you had not told me about that. Yeah. Why? For exactly the reason he described. Because it it made the combat that is already by itself mediocre so much shittier when it felt like every time I had to engage anything... I had to open like a literal pause menu two to three <laughs> times during the fight, use some items use instantaneously, the and, and then stop. Yeah, that, I, that is like a big problem I had too. Is that you? Like you can just pause in the menu. Use a potion. Be totally fine. You like ten potions. Yeah, you can use up as many as many yeah. as you have between your like totally limp cool. bleeding body. <laughs> Before, like, with the sword three inches in front of your face that's going to deal your final blow, you can just down ten healing potions, apply poison to your sword, and, like, (laughs) (laughs) and and activate, like, a spell that you can use to just, like, blow a dude away. Which is why, yeah, like, I ended up using the healing spell, too, and it just makes everything way better. Yeah, I was actually, that was another question. I was wondering if it was even possible to play the game without that heal spell. Oh, that's actually another point that he brings up, is they're really, really difficult to get used to, but another way to play the game with some semblance of actual skill is using a shield. Because you can actually, like, time, like, because if you block something... Basically, like the parry in Dark Souls, but like way more lenient. Yeah. If you block something at the appropriate time, it will stagger the enemy, and you can come in and attack. But it's the shields are really bad the for a really long time. Terrible garbage. Oh, really? I tried because the way so good. I, I'm. You guys told me like never to use shields. He said never to use a shield. Uh, I said I, shields are because I, I always. <laughs> Whenever I play an RPG, I just always gravitate towards sword and shield for some reason. Like mm. I just guess I just like the classic imagery or whatever. Um, so I, I tried to do that, and like the shield was like just total garbage <laughs> when I tried to use it. I mean, there's not many ways that a shield can fail. Like it's a it it's just a blocks the right? How how is the shield? Like, it just bad. like it just like gets in the way. It's like an inconvenience. Yeah. Do you and move like, slower? What happens? Well, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've used a shield, so I'm just going to try and like piece this together from my memory. Okay. But like the way that the shield works is that, yeah, it replaces your left hand thing. 
yeah. so you have a shield instead. So when you raise the shield, you press your usual like a left hand attack button to raise the shield. Yeah. And so theoretically, what you want to do is time the like shield up with the attack so you get the stagger. But then like it does take like a minute to like actually bring it up. It's and, slow. Yeah, and then like getting hit with the shield up drains your stamina. Basic shield mechanics. Oh, okay. But the problem, it comes in the fact that your combat is not like a game that is focused around combat, which this is, but decided it wanted to just do whatever the fuck it wanted to do. <laughs> uh, and that, like, an enemy that comes at you from the side is obviously going to get around your guard. Yeah. And an enemy that comes at you from the back, or magic users, or people with projectiles. Okay. Like, you have to, like, angle the shield towards yeah. whatever's coming to you. Picture and most being of painted the... in my mind of yeah. shittiness. Yeah. Also, yeah. And, if you're and, playing in first person, like, you raise the shield, you can't a... see very well. <laughs> yeah, like, so, like, the like, shield will pull, take up, like, they can easily They can easily the hit you, move around <laughs> your side, but you can't see them. And then hit you again. Well, <laughs> of course. Yeah, like, it, yeah. it's just not worth it. Yeah, in, tra- in traditional Bethesda game fashion, they're like, let's put a shield in the game. How do we do a shield? Well, we model a thing and just make it a, a block yeah. like, in front of you. And anything that hits it doesn't damage you. Someone and that is just not as good as murdering people faster. Okay. <laughs> I mentioned once before that I, you were joking that I was going to stop playing after this. I actually might for a little while longer before a different reason than you'd probably expect. In the same way that you guys discovered that the shield was awful, right before coming over here when I was going through that quest line, I discovered that this is the first game where I thought bows were good. Oh yeah, bows are awesome. Bows are game. broken in this yeah. game. <laughs> if you level up the bow, like the you're archery skill. invincible. Yeah, yeah, I got a magic bow and was like, oh, let's see how this works. And I one-hit everything from a mile and was like, yeah. oh, oh. That was actually the hilarious thing about playing a two-handed character, which I like always talk about doing in every game and never do. Yeah. Uh, it was basically this like very weird play style that it like forces you into because I'm used to taking Skyrim combat from a distance figure out what is there and what I'm up against and then I like prepare the spells that I thought would be good in the encounter which usually just involved summoning a Daedric Lord and then standing in a corner uh And, like, offensive spells, healing spells, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But the... (laughs) All you do as a two-handed character is point at a guy that you want to be dead, and then you do the strong attack, which lunges you forward and almost inevitably kills everything in one hit. So it's just, like, a hysterical, like, pinball. Like, the slowest pinball imaginable. (laughs) But if you miss, you just get slaughtered. Yep, yep. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. So that was an unusual... Like, that even does not feel right. Though I've been told that if you get the critical charge ability, it, like, really opens up two-handed weapons. But I don't know. Conjuration is just my... Is my bay. Yeah. It's good shit. Conjure-bait. Conjure-bait? Ooh. Conjure-bation? <laughs> Sounds like actually what I was doing. <laughs> conjuring things and jerking off to it? Right. Like, conjuring a thing alone... And just not, like, interacting with other human beings myself. <laughs> so, well, yeah, what kind of play style did you play with? Uh, I went in... Another thing going into the game 
I was trying to play to the game's strengths. I wanted to test how open it really was, given that it's supposed to be like the open game. Right. Uh, because I thought it was really cool that you could it, that things level just by you using them, so I could just start from the very beginning, being what I wanted to be. And what I wanted to be when I knew nothing about Skyrim at all was I wanted to be a fast guy with a sword and offensive magic. Okay. And that plan changed real fast <laughs> uh, when I realized that you would just die because you can't heal. So I like started. It was like a slow build as I began like switching to restoration magic when I needed it. And then just had it the whole time. Yep, always got right. that, man. Yeah. See, I didn't magic. play like that, but like I, I get it. Like that seems like a smart thing to do. Yeah. So yep. I just sat there with the heal spell and just hacked the thing until it was dead. Yep. And then turned it around, and it was boring. Yeah. Well, one-handed melee characters are basically one, like one-handed restoration <laughs> users because you have no other defensive capability so you just hit a thing and heal the whole time Ugh. yeah because Kondrasha that was like hilariously fun because like you like because I could dabble in the other magics mm-hmm. if I chose to in the dark arts in the dark arts <laughs> of whatever basically I just had an ally who is a defensive mechanism because like he'll aggro enemies right so you like bring a dude in and then I could play with the one-handed weapons and keep restoration up, or I could do, like, a two-handed weapon or a bow or just whatever the fuck I wanted to do because I always had, like, a fallback because I could just bring a dude into existence right. to fight while I ran away and healed. And you could do the same thing if you just brought companions with you. I suppose. But I didn't need companions. I had all the companions could, I could possibly want. You could just conjure one. Yeah. yeah. I think if I restarted this game... Uh, I have no idea what I'd pick for any of the, like, character creation shit, but I would attempt to be just, like, a bow character who uses the allies as a front cover. And I feel like playing through that way is more engaging to me because I have, like, some bad first-person shooter mechanics that might make things a little bit more sort of engaging and complex to me. Well, if you play, like, a... If you play a stealth build with the bow, you can literally just never be hit by an enemy the whole time. Yeah, you can just, like, not be seen and then shoot things and kill them immediately. With, like, a a 3x, like, sneak attack multiplier (laughs) to just smash everybody. that's the best way to break the game, actually. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. But you figured it out. I did. You figured out how to break the game Uh, on your own. No, that's hard. It's Skyrim. Yeah, you break the game by, like, walking into a room too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the fantasy aesthetic in this game is, I think, actually unique in a way that I wasn't expecting and was able to actually get into. Well, we had this discussion before I wanted Andy's input because he's a big fantasy guy. I am a big fantasy guy, and I think the, like, Elder Scrolls, like, high fantasy setting is, like, incredibly by the books. Right. And so the exact opposite of what you just said. Yeah. I mean, like, it, like most other fantasy, unless they're really lazy, adds its own spin on stuff. But, I mean, like, it's very just, like, borrowing from, like, Tolkien high fantasy. Yeah. And I forget the conversation we had. So oh, not you. Me and Andy. I, I remember having the conversation. I can't remember what I said, or I can barely remember what you said. Basically that. I, I remember you just saying that you liked it, yeah. and you usually don't like fantasy. Right. And that's actually part of the reason that I, I had such an issue with Oblivion, is because it's so steeped in its like fantasy aesthetic. 
think about Skyrim that I like, and when I say it does it differently, I guess I don't. I guess there was a bad choice of words or a leading choice of words. Yeah. Because I'm a human BuzzFeed article. Um, <laughs> what I, I guess, like, what I actually <laughs> want to say is that I think that Skyrim uses its fantasy in its game world in a way differently than most other games do. Because you can exist in the world without really engaging in all of the things that make fantasy, like, so rote. And, like, like all the, the Tolkien stuff, basically. Because, like, yeah, you will run into, like, orcs and goblins and, like, elves. all of your typical, yeah, elves and all that stuff. Skeletons. Yeah. Dude, oh, my God. Skeleton. Fucking skeletons. They're all there. But... Dragons. And dragons. But, I mean, all of those things are there, but, like, they're not constantly bombarding you with, like, how, like, the elf culture has been, like, wronged by this thing and those things, and these guys hate those guys that live in the mountains for some reason. All of these things are there, but, like, you have to pay attention and give a shit about it to actually, like, interact with it. Skyrim is so much just, like, it looks so much just like Earth. That it's just like, look, I'm in a forest, there's a wolf. Like, I hit it, and then you just have, like, a sword and magic, <laughs> which are just interesting ways to interact with the world. And I really like that, because they made so much of the fantasy of it basically optional. They clearly did a lot of research in, like, lumber mills. So oh, yeah. It. They have high quality. You, you've Can actually you brought this up twice. Did you ever actually, like... No. Okay. Because I love that that exists, but it's so pointless. You can, that like, being chopping wood, right? You can, you, okay. well, you can chop wood. There's a whole sawmill where you can, like, pull a lever and drop a log and run it across, like, a thing that cuts it into two. Can you do that to animals? Uh, no, it only works with logs, unfortunately. Damn. Animals <laughs> tend to run away from <laughs> saws. <laughs> can, going back to what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Can you give an example of a game that does shove the fantasy down your throat? I feel like most games that, like... Because I feel like most, like, fantasy RPGs that I've played that aren't, like, JRPGs, like, Western ones, mm. do exactly, like, present it like Skyrim does, where it's all just kind of, like, secondary to the world. Well, the difference in Skyrim, I think, and this is just going off what I've seen, is that Skyrim's not the kind of game that really inundates you with, like, cutscenes or something. Right, right, but, I mean, that's, like, a lot of Western RPGs are like that. I mean, it's possible that I've literally just missed most of these games. Right. Because I, I'm so adverse to them. But, like... It's like, I'm trying to think of a game well, trying, that, I, like, shoves the fantasy down my throat. And it's like, oh, the dwarves and the elves had the ancient battle of <laughs> super awesome significance that you need to care about. Or else the dragons will come back and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's, and it's save the princess po- to <laughs> realign stars to give the dwarf a hammer. <laughs> It's mighty power to end the war, and you know. Right. Yeah, yes, I do know that endless spiel. Unfortunately, know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, like the opening of this game, or like the opening of Dark Souls, which is itself a very muted version of this trope. This was actually the is, example I was going to use. Yeah, like all of these, like super granted, cool, unique versions of them, but like super important historical battles between forces of light and darkness and, and dragons. dragons. Right, but, but in this game, you're just like car- you're just on a cart. Like, you're just brought yeah. to a shitty town. I mean, I don't want to talk about but how like, fucking awful but, that start is, but when you consider the volume of Skyrim, it's, like, such a small percentage that I'm willing to let it go. But, like, in Dark Souls, though, 
having that one cutscene at the beginning, I don't think is shoving it down your throat. Like I said, Dark Souls is a muted version of this trope. Well, here's, right. Here's the thing about because like uh, if it kept going like that, that's what I think what he's talking about. Yeah, right. And I'm trying to think of a game that does that. Here's the thing about the about fantasy games that always like bugs me is that like when I'm playing a game, which already like the reason I'm playing the game is clearly not for the fantasy because right. I don't go to games for fantasy. Uh, which sounds like such a, like, a fucking cold-hearted thing to say. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't get I don't get the games for that like the Tolkien aesthetic. Right? Okay, uh, not for like childhood wonder. Yeah, and like, like unescapism. <laughs> um, I'm playing the game for like what the game offers me, usually mechanically, because I don't in this situation. Okay, and so when a game inundates me with their these and thous and all the fucking like old English tropes and, like, you're talking to a character and they have, like, a nine-hour-long speech. The fucking Greybeards are a fantastic example of how much I hate this garbage. Okay. Because, like, that whole section takes, like, 20 minutes of your time and I don't want to do it ever. <laughs> uh, you do know that's in Skyrim, right? The yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Is that, like, that is a great example of when this is a thing and why I like the fact that there's so much outside of the story to do. Uh... And it's just, I don't know, it's just the fact that I was it able gets, to avoid that for so long. It is a lot easier to ignore that stuff. Right. For most of the time playing. I just feel like most games that use a fantasy aesthetic tend to take it as their, like, primary objective, is to get you to, like, love their world that they created and yeah. all of these things in it right. that I don't want to know or care about. I'm not here to love things. I'm not, yeah, I know you love your things. I don't want to agree or disagree with you because I still can't think of any examples to what you're describing. But well, I imagine it's much more muted to you anyway. Because, true, because like, I like that stuff. Yeah. yeah, but I still don't like being like beaten over the head with it, though. Right. Well, so. I mean, I felt beaten over the head with it basically any time that I had to talk to an NPC in Dark Souls. So that's like my like my threshold wow. for for that's noticing like, fantasy tropes. That's not is just like a low zero. threshold. That yeah, it's nothing. No <laughs> threshold. <laughs> but but like in Dark Souls though, they like basically give you like context to what you're supposed to be doing. They're not like oh the god moon is coming right, to destroy right. the crystal. We'll, we'll, <laughs> wait, we'll get to this in two weeks okay. for obvious reasons. Yeah. But like I think yes, yeah, some of them were definitely cool and relevant and I liked what they did. Right. But then like just some of them are just fantasy tropes. And I just don't want to I don't care. Oh gotcha. To to put a wedge in here both to prevent Dark Souls discussion <laughs> and to, uh, you, you know, amend this to all that, like, reasonable discussion about plot that we just have. Yes. I want to say something very unreasonable <laughs> and say that Skyrim is, like, emblematic of most of the things I dislike about, like, modern fantasy settings. I have a note in my little note page <laughs> that is just dirt fantasy because I believe that that <laughs> I believe that is the description that that like summarizes like this sort of setting, and this is just a category I'm making up. So it's of course very very like non nice and derogatory in ways that are probably undesirable for the term. It's like walking simulator or torture right. porn. Exactly. Give us your definition of dirt fantasy. If I am in a high fantasy setting in which I can look around me and see 
like human people covered in feces, I am in a dirt fantasy setting. Ah, and I there generally are people don't like. covered in feces. He just means like filthy people walking yes. around. Disgusting. Like filthy the Monty so, Python and the Holy Grail version of fantasy, but not funny. So yes. <laughs> that's kind of more in line with like a dark fantasy. Yes, kind of. I I am so bored and so uninterested in fantasy settings that want to sell me on the idea that if we live in a world where, like, I can create fire with my hands or, like, spawn (laughs) food from nothing, that everything's garbage. I am, like, so... I... This is... And I'm not attempting to, like, generalize this and make this, like, you ought to feel this way about these sorting settings. Whatever. Feel however you want. But this is just me being unable to get over, like, the implications of what magic means for a fantasy setting. Right. The idea that there would be, like, farmers, like, just covered in shit that have <laughs> nothing they can do with their lives except farm. <laughs> when you can just, like, walk some steps. Or just, like, even if you're even if you're no one, even if you're just, like, a poor street beggar, you steal one book and you can kill anyone, anywhere, <laughs> whatever you want. It's just, like, infinite power and influence in these settings that is, like, available for, like, $150 at a time or for just some unscrupulous hands. And yet they want to still pretend that, like, king-peasant culture as it existed <laughs> in the Middle Ages is even remotely sustainable. It is not... You will, you will just die. People will just die if they're forced to live in those conditions. Well, I totally understand where you're coming from. My horrifying rant, yes. Yes. I think it's implied that not, like, most ordinary people cannot pick up one of those books and learn from it like you do. Because I think, like, you're supposed to be, like, special, you're the dragonborn, you're, like, you know, awesome, cool guy, protagonist. And that's why the existence of the Mages College is there. Like, if you want to learn to use magic... You have to like go to the mages college and like college, and like study with like the mages and like learn how to use magic. Okay, yeah. Perfect example of why that's not actually an answer to the, the, the criticisms <laughs> that you'll be able to sympathize with. I think the setting of the legend of Korra is one of the few times I thought someone was like, "Yes, that is the exact implications of what would happen to the world over time if people learned how to do this kind of stuff." Where people, right. people begin to like creatively use the powers and abilities that they have to do specific things and make the world way, way better. And it's even, but the implications in the case of a, like a normal fantasy setting like Skyrim, where magic is way, way, way more diverse than like I can summon four elements, right. compounds the problem even further because the kind of stuff that you could do with the ability to like summon a wolf familiar for like a right. period of time. There's so much more ridiculous than the kind of things even that you can do with like the ability to create lightning or something. Right. Like even but if there I think was like, comparatively, like to the Avatar: The Last Airbender <laughs> universe, I think like a very, very, very small percentage of people in like the Elder Scrolls universe can use magic. Seems like, like a, a lot of people. I slaughtered a lot of magic yeah, users. Yeah. There's a lot of dead magic people on <laughs> I my account. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, but like comparatively, whatever like number that is, can't. it is a high enough number, even like with the knowledge of my playthrough, that if they all like banded together as like one unified society, they could just do whatever they wanted. Yeah, there no force could possibly stop the like thirty mage assault team. <laughs> <laughs> It does seem that way. <laughs> See, I was like, I don't know. I mean, 
like I said, I didn't get super into the world. Yeah. And I didn't get really deep into the story. But, like, the Dragonborn storyline yeah. is really just, like, a progression of killing bigger and bigger things until you kill a dragon in heaven. Right. It's been, like, the uh, the main quest line I actually really like because it is simple, which is, like, a nice contrast to, to most like, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, so I will grant you that. It's because it's, like, more understated than I would have expected. Now, are you talking about the main quest line as a whole, or, like, the Dragonborn side, or the, like, Imperial War side? The main quest line as a whole. Okay. Because I think the Dragonborn quest line is simple and moderately enjoyable, and, like, you get something out of it. Yep. Whereas I think with the, like, Imperial War storyline... I didn't think that the war was tied to the main quest line. Oh, I, I consider it kind of like two separate quests. Well, then, I guess I just mean the Dragonborn part. Right. Because the, uh, the way that I view the war quest line is, I don't, I like, I felt like they wanted you to, like, do you have any idea what we're talking about? No, no, no. Okay. Really. Just, yeah, so just, just as a really real quick thing, there's basically the guy, Ulfric Stormcloak, the guy that you are in the cart with at the beginning, yeah. is about to get executed. Yeah. Who effectively saves your life? Is leading rebellion against the empire? Yeah, and I feel like the game wants to present you with like, oh, is this moral choice? You can either go with the rebellion who are trying to take down the empire, who are oppressing their religion. Yeah, they're trying to take their like their homeland back. Right, or you can side with the empire, which to me was not a choice because the empire is not blatantly racist to everybody. <laughs> the Stormcloaks just, like, hate a third of the races. And it's like, this seems worse for more people. <laughs> like, just objectively. I just, I don't know. I sided with the Stormcloaks. <laughs> <laughs> I have an amazing image. I was just like, fuck, just give it back to them. Like, it's their It's theirs, theirs, in the beginning. Get Empire, get out of here. Yeah. No, I actually, I, I was... I, I of course was, the Empire doesn't get out of here. I there. was biased against the Imperials because there's this one quest line that's, like, not that far into the story mode that they clearly wanted you to side quest and level up before you got to it. Because right. like, I got stuck in it. Like, once it starts, you can't leave. Mm. And, like, it took me forever to get through it. <laughs> And, like, it, the main enemies there were Imperials, so I just kind of hated them. <laughs> so I was like, Stormcloaks. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. The, uh... The hateful sort of way. Yeah. The, the Thalmor one... Embassy. When you had to sneak into the party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I That's a really early quest. hated that, because I got walled there. I hated that... I couldn't but... leave. I hated you it because they implied it. that they wanted you to sneak... But if you hadn't done any sneaking to that point, it. you just can't do yeah. anything. So you just had to kill everybody. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have too much of an issue with it on either character, but I also did side quest more since possible. Yeah. Because, cool. like, me, first time playing, kind of, like, went straight through to that and got, like, killed. Yeah. Mercilessly. I feel like that is my overall opinion on Skyrim as a whole. It's just, like, there are things in this game that I came to do that I really like doing, and everything else is just like, whatever. And the game gives me a great opportunity to just not do those things that I don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Even down to, like, the actual, literal structure of the video game, yeah. in which you can just turn it in to whatever it needs to be, yeah. whatever time, both on a DLC so, side and on a mod mods. side. Would we say this game is so, like, universally liked and considered good 
because it is the at a core at its core a solid game that just has so much in it that you can't help but find something that you enjoy doing <laughs> in it. It's possible. It may take the it may be the only game I know that can almost universally take the quantity over quality argument and win. Completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Only Bethesda games can just have enough that you <laughs> don't have to even like a lot of it. Yeah. 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 You can like I a say, small like, percentage yeah, of I it. I just say I only really, like, really enjoyed a chunk of it as well, and, like, the rest of it was whatever. Right. But you just didn't do that. But it was a different thing than what you like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Undertale is a chocolate bar, this game is a lifetime supply of mashed potatoes. God. More potatoes. Damn it! With your food analogies. I'm sorry, what was the other one? All of them. Oh. I'm going to make a super cup of all of your food analogies and just play them. You'd rather have one chocolate bar than just a lifetime supply of potatoes. Well, I think that this is just in addition to what you are doing, like, already. Like, yeah. you, like, are still living your whole life. This isn't, like, this is your option. It's, like, <laughs> other tales like, here, here's a chocolate bar. Doesn't cost a lot, doesn't get a whole lot to, doesn't take a whole lot of time to get through. It's pretty good all the way through. And then it's, like, Skyrim is just, you can eat mashed potatoes whenever you want for how long, however long you want to. Yeah, it's, it's like a one meal circumstance. I think it's weird that like your like middle of the road food is mashed potatoes. Yeah, well, <laughs> the funny. other one was like the other was the potatoes of video. Games. Right, I really like potatoes. Yeah, potatoes pretty are really much soft. across the board. I'm sorry, I really <laughs> like the meat and potatoes of food. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that. What, what should I substitute then as my I don't know. I, I just think it's funny that, like, you're just like potatoes. <laughs> Most average food. You suggest that I'm dismissive of potatoes? Scoffing at this potatoes. Potatoes are fine. I don't sit around. I'm with some, like, highfalutin man who assumes potatoes are, like, down there for the other folk. I love potatoes. You just, you, the way that you say it, it just always has a very negative connotation to me. It's like, it's like the potatoes. <laughs> Really it's like, like, here, you can have a super awesome deluxe chocolate bar <laughs> or, like, dumb, mushy, slam potatoes. <laughs> it's what it sounds like you're saying. Good, good. <laughs> I'm glad I give off the air of the kind of person who would rather have one very, very delicious single meal instead of, like, infinite food chocolate for the rest bar of my is life. Chocolate bar isn't a meal. I'm going to, uh... <laughs> chocolate bar is my meal. Okay. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. Food. Yeah. And say that we're, we've probably reached the limit of our Skyrim discussion. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, are there any final thoughts or non-final thoughts that you would like me to go back and edit in to a different <laughs> place in the podcast? I didn't like, um, in the character creation process, how I felt like my lack of familiarity with the lore sort of necessarily pigeonholed me in ways that I wasn't entirely aware of. Like, I didn't like that, like, by picking a Brenton for its, like, statistical effects that I that came with it, like, tons and tons of, like, narrative baggage that I didn't know about. It's largely, in traditional Skyrim fashion, there, those things are largely mitigated by the fact that it doesn't mechanically do anything. Like, yeah. it's just people go, like, oh, Brenton. Fuck you. It's one of the things. <laughs> yeah, they do. This game is very much like made for their fan base that's already built up. Mm -hmm. And I had never thought about this before 
but I, I think it was like an extra credits video that mm-hmm. like did like a thing on the opening of this game yeah. and talked about how many proper nouns they drop in like the first like 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, it's like it's clearly like made with the people who like are already familiar with it in the forefront of their minds. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like to the I played to to that point like I've played the game for more than 200, significantly more than 200 hours. And, like, I, it took me, like, most of that time to realize that, like, some cities were named after the, like, holds that they were in, and, like, that holds were even a thing, and, like, what the fuck that even meant. And it's, like, just (laughs) these divisions, and, like, I didn't know any of that. I was just happy walking the fuck around, killing people who I don't know their name, I don't know why they were there, but, like, I enjoyed the act of murdering them, and, like, I couldn't, like, this game doesn't require justification. It's just, like, it's a game where you interact on everything, and you just choose how you want to interact with it. Finally, a video game where you can kill people and don't need to be justified for it. This is everything I've ever wanted. Dude, that's such a thing, though, now. It's such a thing that 90s mothers assume video games would be. Well, no, I'm saying it's such a thing. This sounds like the worst, like, I feel like, like people are thinking about being. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I feel like this is, like, the argument about, like, being politically correct, where it's just, like, people who are just douchebags talking about it, and I don't want to fall into that category, but, yeah. like, I do feel like nowadays games feel like a need to justify their actions unless they're completely abstracted. Yeah. It's like, I never played, like, Serious Sam and was like, why am I killing the scorpion monster with <laughs> chain guns? It's like, because he's a scorpion monster with chain guns and he's shooting at me. And I have an arsenal of guns to unleash horror upon them. And it's like, now I, I do kind of feel like too many games that underneath it all are just about pointing a gun at a thing and shooting it mm-hmm. want to be like, you're doing it for this cause. It's like, you're not, e- even if you convince me that I'm doing it for a good cause, you still made the game for me to do this in specifically. Yeah. So really, you're just like a, a two-faced bastard. Yeah, I don't even like shooters, and I agree with you. Yeah, you can like, take that stance without any of the political baggage that I'm actually wor- you think you might be worried about taking here. Is that, because the only thing that you're stating is that individuals are making video games with the express purpose of you doing this thing and attempting to pretend that it is otherwise. Right. And you don't have... You can be pro or con that... True. Actual action. Yeah. And Skyrim clearly does not yeah. pretend like you're doing anything other than what yeah. you're doing. The, getting back to Skyrim in terms of what I initially brought up to it, the reason that I was worried about like those sort of implications in the narrative maggots that would come through that would come with me when I picked the race is because it seemed like the kind of thing that Skyrim might model. Like it, it seems equally reasonable in whatever meeting they had where they decided that like people needed line of sight to you. Right. They were like, oh, well, if the Stormcloaks, like, hate other races, then they might just attempt to, you know, like, kill you or not let you come into this town if you're a Dark Elf or something. Right. Yeah. I was worried, because once it became clear after you select them, like, in fact, I remember, even though I wasn't a Dark Elf, I think I watched this on YouTube or something, uh, where, like, one of the first things it says is, like, oh, you're, hello, Dark Elf, sorry about your homeworld that was, like, destroyed or had some kind of yeah, super in, significant event in that happened. In fucking Morrowind or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right. And I, and I saw it, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, there's tons of baggage that everyone knows about. 
<laughs> when I pick, I remember when I picked when I like made my most recent character and picked Orc. Like the guy, the executioner guy, said this line that was like, it just like seemed confused that I was an orc, and I was like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to think, because all the orcs in the game just live in like a camp, and you never see any orcs outside of like their the orc settlements. And yeah. So it's like, I guess I'm just free and clear because nobody knows how to handle me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Uh, next time. Dun 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 dun. The steam is rolling out of my ears. I will f- fucking finally finish and talk about Dark Souls. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, this has been a long time coming, and a game that we really desperately need to get out of our systems. Maybe we'll stop referencing it constantly. Yeah, it's been like almost every podcast we've mentioned Dark Souls. <laughs> Since we decided we were going to talk about it. It's been completely consuming my thoughts, so look out for that nine-parter on Dark Souls <laughs> uh, two weeks from now. Until that time, you can get a hold of us at noclippodcast at gmail.com, on our website noclippodcast.com, on Twitter at noclippodcast, and YouTube, just noclip. Not just noclip, but like just like the yeah. word noclip. Yeah, yeah. By itself. Just like within the conversation. Uh, wait, those aren't apostrophes. What do you call those things? Quotation marks? Oh, yeah. I forgot what quotation marks were for a bit. <laughs> I'm there's, a, there's, a, there's a clean outro in there somewhere that I'll dig out. It's, Let me picture you in like a hard hat with a pickaxe. Uh-oh. With nothing else, then. <laughs>